Such an annoying virus. Annoying virus. Such an annoying virus. <laughs> <laughs> Such a jerky <laughs> annoying virus. Woo! Dun, 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 dun. My corona. And welcome to the What's the PH Deal podcast. This is the podcast where we attempt to demystify the scientific PhD process. This is for folks going through the rigors of pursuing a PhD, folks thinking about getting a PhD, or even people just curious what it's all about. You can check out the website associated with us at realphdeal.com. It's in the show notes. And we'd love it if you send us an email. Uh, check our email address. It's also in the show notes. Uh, feel free to send any criticisms, comments, things you loved about a show, things you hated about a show. Uh, any kind of uh, uh, anti-Missouri backlash can be directed right over to Elias, of course. And yes, <laughs> we would happy to stay, take a stab at any questions or whatever you send away. Like, really. Rate us on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, and make sure to subscribe and leave your reviews. Check all the show notes for all these details. Uh, finally, a quick disclaimer. The following podcast reflects only our views and in no way is meant to represent any of the views of our parent institutions or organizations we're associated with. We also promise to do our best to give you helpful advice based on our knowledge and experience, but we admit we don't have the perfect or correct answer for everything. So, and we probably won't even agree with everything ourselves. So take everything we say with a kilogram of salt, kicking the SI units, of course. Mm -hmm. And we are all on that point, science and engineering based PhD. So our show will obviously concentrate mostly on that type of PhD. So with that all said, let's get on to the episode. So, Lou, Lou, that introduction was just very smooth, man. Very He's smooth. getting good at this stuff. Yeah. yeah love it. I, really? Yeah. We should have this show just here, just now. End the show now. That's it. Leave on a high. Thank you, Leave. Uh, please rate us five stars. We need them. So I am your lead host today, Luis Estevez, um, and we have our panel of experts, our other hosts. Uh, we've got the super rad nuclear material scientist, Liz. What's up, Liz? Hi. <laughs> we have uh, the materials deposition and battery champion, undefeated, and actually the dude <laughs> what, what? that does all of the work. <laughs> what does undefeated actually undefeated. mean? Undefeated. Hey, context? hey, let it, let it be. Let, let me yeah, live yeah. this moment. <laughs> I, have, I have to create it. He's also the dude that does all the work to upload our episodes and all the thankless behind-the-scenes job. Rajan Patel. Well, and, yeah, that's right. And we have the emerging PhD superstar. But the, the what's become the, I don't know. He, 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 may be, he may become the John Lennon and leave our crew like to pursue greener uh, pastures. Like, I hope I don't end up like John Lennon. John Lennon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that might be bad. Uh, yeah. We have our emerging PhD superstar and resident of Ozark, Missouri, Elias. What's up, Elias? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks a lot. All right. So today we are going to talk about uh, coronavirus. And so this may be coming a bit late because we record a few episodes in advance. So hopefully by the time you get this, 
this uh is it's done. coronavirus it's, is cured yeah, completely yeah, well, yeah. by then and it's easter <laughs> we're ready to go ready to go <laughs> yeah so today's topic we're going to talk about the ongoing coronavirus pandemic how it's affected all of us as phd researchers and of course as humans in general and just to kind of uh you know kick around some some experiences uh what we've uh, personally had to deal with what we think you might have to deal with and just hopefully uh, talk talk about this ongoing crisis. So, uh, Rajan, I know you had some def- definite things you wanted to say. Want to start us up? Yes, I wanted to us to talk about not only how this is personally affecting us, but as a researcher, but also it is uh, changing our life and how is it changing and going to change our respective field, the way we do research and how it is currently affecting the students that's in the various programs across the states and their lives. So, Luis. Yeah, I, I was going to say that uh, for me, uh, this has been now about two weeks just uh, working at first predominantly from home and now like exclusively from home. And it's, it, you know, first of all, it's it can suck just because, I mean, obviously it's uh, it's a it's a big crisis and we have to be aware of it and, and socially distant and stay home and, and do everything that we're supposed to do. But, you know, as an experimentalist primarily, it's really tough to try to keep projects moving along, keep, uh, because almost, it's almost like how a dancer, like my, my wife uh, used to dance ballet and she had this like poster on her wall that said like every day, you miss of practice erases two days of practice. And I feel like that's how research is too. Every day you don't do research, it like erases two days of progress. And as you sit home and try to do what you can at home, it can be a a little bit uh, vexing and frustrating to to think of all the things you're falling behind on. And it's, it can suck the motivation out of you in in a way too, because, and so this, this uh, coincides, I think quite nicely with, uh, uh, with the topics we've discussed before about, um, you know, your mental health and, and keeping positive. I think this goes hand in hand with this sort of thing because a, a pandemic like this um, obviously is more serious than, than most of our research, unless we're doing research that's uh, dealing with the pandemic or saving lives in some kind of way. But, um, you know, the research we're doing is, is amazing and I love it. But at the same time, you know, I have to stay home and try to, um, deal with what we're supposed to be doing during the pandemic, but you can't help but like watch your your projects almost uh, atro- get get atrophied like on a vine almost like as as you're not there to move experiments along and it can be really really difficult. So, I mean, you know, it's most of trying to deal with it is the same strategies we use when you're trying to deal with. Basically, I think anyway, for me, uh, the when you're working a week and you can't get anything to progress forward and it just seems like a lot of failure in the lab, it's good to just step away for a second, you know, kind of rethink things through, maybe try to find something else that gives you joy or positivity and then jump back into it. And I think I've tried to do that as well. And that seems to be working pretty well for me. But I don't know how it, how it works with you guys. I don't know how effective you can be at working at home. For me, it's difficult. But I've been trying to do the best. I don't know how how long I can keep going at this and still be uh, successful. But I'm I'm that's what I'm trying to do. I don't know how it affects you. I guess it's the same struggle for all of us. It's uh, it's kind of a very strange time. We still have deliverables and have to be productive, but at the same time, there's the world is basically completely stopped. Uh, 
And I mean, if we take a step back and look at the big picture, uh, and of course, this is completely unprecedented. We, we, we've we never been through anything like this in terms of the world just completely coming to a halt, not just uh, the research and the science world, but just everything. And uh, and it's, it's quite bad. I mean, people are really feeling pain because of this. People are dying and it's... Uh, it's a very difficult time. Uh, we still don't know. We're going to wake up to a whole new different world in terms of uh, uh, the recovery, in terms of the economic, the healthcare system uh, in all countries in the world. It's kind of uh, it's kind of a difficult situation. Now, of course, we should say that it could have been much worse. In a sense, there are many lucky aspects of this as well. Hopefully, we get to learn these lessons and. Uh, there are some really nice and encouraging things, you know, feeling a sense of community, even though we're socially distant from each other and uh, kind of empathizing with all the difficult scenes we're seeing on TV. So that's really nice. And and obviously, you know, if you're a researcher, you can't just go about business as usual. <laughs> even if you could do your work from home, it's not as if, yeah, sure, let me just continue my day-to-day routine. And that's right. It's just... Uh, it's uh, psychologically very taxing, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree with the concept of this being psychologically taxing, emotionally too, just to be totally honest about it, you know? <laughs> it's just, it feels just generally draining, I think. Um, but something I've noticed, which I feel kind of silly about, is um, like, Often I feel, oh my gosh, I, you know, when in normal work life, I'm like, oh gosh, I really need to spend more time at my desk, like writing and reading and doing these things that aren't like experimental work. But now I'm forced to do these things. So in a way, it's an opportunity for me to read a little bit more than normal and step away a little bit from the, you know, this big push from maybe people above you or people expecting things from you to get like, you know, real hands-on work done and Mm. get them, you know, whatever data they're looking for or report or something like that. So I feel this is a good time like to kind of capitalize on that. And although I am probably less productive in this kind of scenario, uh, you know, it's, I do find myself, since I do have space from lab, I'm starting to think of, okay, I had this data. It's actually kind of useful. Let me, you know, take some time to look into it a little bit more. Um, so I think, you know, from my perspective and like the people I see kind of working in my group, like the people I'm working with, we're all trying to work in that sort of direction. What data do we have that we can really dig into a little bit more than normal um, and kind of sit with that and, uh, you know, the stuff we already have. Yeah. And just, just to follow up on that, Liz, I, I think that's a, that's a perfect point. Like, and when I, you know, right now, all of us are, are PhD scientists and we're all, we all have, you know, bosses and are trying to get things done and trying to hit deliverables. And, and like you said, that, 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 you know, we're trying to find ways to, to do other things that are not exactly the experimental work, but, but that can help move our project along. But I think as a PhD student, this is a really good opportunity to delve deep. Like if you're currently pursuing a PhD, uh, what I tend to find for, I've been to a few PhD defenses and, you know, usually when someone presents their work on the PhD defense, the thing that you notice most about their work is that they really know their work really well and they they have the experimental data if they're running experiments or even if it's 
um, uh, theoretical work. I mean, they know it inside out, but they tend to not have, and this just tends to come with time. So this is totally normal, but they tend to not have a broad overview of the field. Like they don't, like if they're working um, in batteries, like they tend to, they tend to know their specific research niche really well, but they don't know overall, like other types of systems that work with, um, you know, stationary energy storage versus uh, portable energy, you know, versus electric vehicles or, you know, so this is an opportunity as grad students to really delve into that and start to become almost a better grad student by having these skills that are typically missing when you finish your PhD, mostly due to the fact that you have no time to do it. So you're working so hard on running your experiments and getting good data and analyzing the data. If that starts to run dry a little bit and you can't make it to the lab, this is a perfect time to delve, just deeply delve, delve into the 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 literature and and see what's and see where your work stacks up and have a good feeling who the big players are who who are the the big scientists in the field who you know get this broad understanding this this uh, higher level understanding of of your particular research area that typically comes with a lot of years in the field and it it's actually could be a pretty good opportunity so I think yeah that is that is a really good suggestion Liz and something that I definitely think students can take advantage of. Yeah, totally. So on that note, I mean, on a typical day, you wouldn't send someone an email, a professor or a colleague asking them, hey, can I have a 30-minute Skype session with you? I want to chat <laughs> about this paper. Right, but, you yeah. know, now is kind of a good time. People, uh, it's good to think out, outside the box in that sense, be unconventional, reach out to folks, learn stuff. Uh, we, we kind of... Uh, we're all inside the house now, I guess. I mean, it's uh, uh, conferences are canceled, uh, which is sad, but that's in the bigger picture, just such a very minor problem compared to what the world is facing. But so that means you're gonna have less face time with uh, professors and people of interest. And But uh, why not reach out uh, for things like informational interviews, things like uh, also f- research related discussions about papers and stuff and uh, there are there are things to think about maybe you know you and your advisor had thought for a while about writing a review paper about some topic and now would be a good time to do those kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, that don't necessarily need day-to-day experiments but can at the same time keep you productive and you know bringing about some some output as well from your time yeah i, I agree so and that's a good point like uh take this adv- uh, this opportunity uh, to work on those things. And, and, and I feel like since everyone is working from home, uh, almost everyone is working from home, uh, you have a better chance of getting a response on something that you always wanted to talk about or you wanted to reach out to someone. I feel like because they are always on now uh, available online and they are checking because this is the way, only way they are getting their work done and so i feel like this is also a, a positive to uh reach out uh, any uh, professor or any colleague you want to or, or you can plan out the collaboration that you're going to yeah. do in the future yeah so those kind of things is the yeah. definitely uh doable so that like planning and uh, scheduling in addition to your like, finishing paper or discussion on research work that you have done or you might you might have done like several years ago and 
he left for whatever reason, but now is the perfect opportunity and everybody's willing, happy to do it because they don't have new data, but all, they are happy to work with the old data and see what you can, if there's a way we can utilize and get uh, some uh, learning out of that and maybe a paper. Yeah. I was just going to add to that by saying like now, um, yeah, it's a great time to be reading and to Roger's point, it's also a great time to start reading and maybe thinking and developing new ideas, uh, oh, could, yeah. you, know, you know, yeah. form into a proposal yeah. and maybe depending on what area you're in, this um, pandemic could impact that your research directions. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, that's true. While you're like, you know, you're trying to maybe grind through a paper, what used to be like broken up by lab work can now be kind of broken up by things like thinking about these new crazy ideas or right. yeah. anything like that. I mean, you got to break up the time. And I'm, I know I'm missing lab work for that. Like when I'm tired of just sitting and staring at a screen and typing or whatever, there'd be lab work. But now what do I replace that? with that crea yeah. yeah so you, you channel those creativity towards this kind of ideas and actually mm -hmm. you are if you can uh, get some sort of breakthrough or even idea that you can test it out mm -hmm. this is a long-term beneficial thing and to overall to everyone yeah. actually and it's it's and especially right now uh if you can find those any small uh help to either identify on any level of how the virus interacts or how or the length and the, the, the time lifetime of virus from um, one set to like how the transmits and how yeah. it lives on different surfaces or like we just yeah. mentioned yeah, and, yeah. Uh, how the cure will help. So this, you never know what like that mind, that tiny contribution could help uh, other researcher from let's say medical fields mm -hmm. to uh, think in a different way and come up with their own uh, collaboration. And that's how the scientific community works anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah, Louis? Yeah, right now would be a perfect time to start looking at potential proposals. And uh, for us as, as PhD scientists, like, of course, um, you know, targeting proposals and trying to get funding for our work is, is a big part uh, of our job. But it's, you know, it's also a good time to maybe look at alternative strategies or alternative things like you said like uh, alternative work that you, that you can do or alternative ideas you may have maybe some alternative proposals that you can leverage your current expertise into that you haven't thought of before and if you're a phd student this might be a time where you can you know most professors or pis are writing proposals all the time and they're like experts at it but it wouldn't hurt to probably if you're looking for something to do and you just you're tired of looking at literature uh, or writing review papers or whatever, like you're just trying to, for, to do something different, you can contact your advisor and just say like, hey, is there any kind of proposals I can help on? And then that could be a way you can not only lessen the load on your advisor, which of course is always appreciated, but it could be introduce you to, I mean, you're going to be not as good as your advisor in the beginning, but you're, you're going to help somewhat. And then if you, you can do that, you not only look good to your advisor, but you also are learning how to write proposals and how to sell uh, the type of work you're doing. And, and it's, it's a valuable skill. So that's another avenue you can possibly look for, I'm thinking. So just to, to uh, flesh out or summarize these ideas and add a bit more. So we talked about as things that one could do at this time, uh, reaching out to colleagues, doing a literature review, 
potentially starting working on a review paper, potentially reaching out to advisors, thinking of proposals or ideas and fleshing out ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple other things are maybe your paper is not ready yet, but uh, you kind of know uh, maybe 40 or 50 or 70 percent of the data is there and kind of know the direction. Uh, so it's a good idea to write, say, the methods section of your next paper. Right. Uh, Maybe even the introduction uh, section, you know, introduce the field as well, which might be similar, uh, or you already have that in mind. Uh, you can prepare some figures with the existing data that you have, although those might still be changed. But you, I always think that it's never a loss to prepare these figures. You can recycle them. You can yeah. just think more of how you're presenting the data anyway, which yes. is al- always good. Um, you could uh, prepare some slides for your next talk, your next conference talk. Some slides are going to be about the type of research that you're doing anyway. Of course, you have the acknowledgement slide that's going to be the same, and you have some results slide that are already, you have those results. So it's good to, and you know, when you do that, it kind of feeds back on those other thoughts, which are thinking more about your research, thinking about the state of the art of these problems you're tackling, you know, preparing your data for presentation Right. even helps you rethink that data anyway. And a couple other ideas. One could uh, update LinkedIn. Maybe (laughs) I'm I'm so terrible at that. Like I, I, yeah, I guess it's maybe a bit too optimistic. To you might, sadly, you know, the state of the world. Maybe we'll talk about that. You might not be using it for a while, but (laughs) but it's good to uh, update LinkedIn. And and I think my favorite suggestion is to learn a little bit of coding. Even just basic. That's coding. a good suggestion, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, especially at a university yeah. when you have like resources where you probably oh, exactly. can very easily access things like, well, I mean, like, you know, Python is, you can just download it open source. Sure. But like, if you want to start with MATLAB, that and usually hey, costs money. You've... It's probably free. I mean, so <laughs> even though, let's say the software is free, but like, I feel like at the university, you, in addition to those having, uh, access to softwares which are not free, mm-hmm. you also have access to people who are expert yes. at this, at this exactly. software using or like uh, kind of, resources from classes. Yeah, from classes. So oh, yeah. Your, 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 your prof is there. Or, like people are there to, yeah. like you just have to reach out to a specific person to and mm-hmm. then just utilize this perfect and, and uh, add that, that another skill level to your resume and and not only that like it just helps your research to go another level mm-hmm. and, and just to add to that i mean you don't even need to uh it doesn't even have to be software or or some kind of coding it could be some uh graphic software like you, you yeah, maybe yeah. to help you make good figures right like yeah exactly. and that's that's actually uh, uh something that just requires a lot of time and experimentation yeah. and most of those types of software are there's like tons of youtube videos that can guide you through them so you just Look at a bunch of YouTube videos, start drawing things, and then all of a sudden, the next time it's it's free, it's time for you to make uh, to put together a paper, put together a talk. All of a sudden, you're knocking out these great images that are really showing uh, what you're trying to reflect in your work, and and everyone's happy. I mean, almost every group has like somebody who's the graphics person. You know, mm-hmm. it's like usually you have a bunch of scientists, and like everybody is like good at what they're doing. And then when it comes time to put together 
the figure, you, you draw little boxes and, and Microsoft Paint, you're like, hopefully this, <laughs> hopefully this works. And, you know, it's like, you know, you just label them like, this is the computer or over here we have the device. And, you know, and you, you know it, it's nice. It gets the point across. But if you're able to put something together that, that looks nice, you become an invaluable member of your group. Like that's, everyone's like, oh, you know, yes. give it to Liz. She's going to crank out this like beautiful looking thing. <laughs> you know, you know? So, so it's- I don't have it, that role currently, but I can work on it. That <laughs> is, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a bad role to get into. And, and, and this is, and it's kind of fun. It's different. Yeah. Like if you need a break from doing hardcore, you know, science or looking into the literature and you're like, oh my God, I, I can't read another word that, that you know, that uh, starts with uh, Ulyssidate or something. You're like, I'm, I want to jump into uh, having fun drawing little cylinders and you know just putting them together into the, like battery cells and and like, oh, this this looks nice. And then you start playing around and and all of a sudden you get pretty good at something that's kind of fun to do. You can listen to music while you do it. It's it's great. And then you take yeah. you take a break, but you're kind of helping um, solidify some extra skills that that that, yeah. that are always great to have. I think totally. Uh, you know, on that note, also, obviously, there are the visual software, and then there is some basic level of plotting and programming. Yeah. You know, my, my suggestion is anything that you do on Excel, start doing, for example, in Python or MATLAB. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, people, you know, who are on the outside looking in, think of programming as some fancy thing that's you know you're creating video games or like what, uh, what is, simulating what is, how it, it is a fancy thing that you're creating video games. like what that yeah yeah I, uh, <laughs> sure <laughs> the secret's out Lou too late <laughs> I mean let him know. there are there are different levels of yeah. coding and simulations you know you don't have to be simulating how a pandemic spreads on day two of your coding right. but you can plot a logarithmic plot or whatever and uh, just take it to a higher professional level. I mean, it's such an underrated uh, skill. And yeah. uh, the hardest yeah. step is to get that software and start plotting stuff. That's Time. Time is almost like the hardest mm-hmm. resource with that. True. So. Yeah. yeah. There are so many great online platforms available nowadays, like Coursera, PDX. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, good call. Yeah, right. And those, those platforms are... Uh, and the courses that, they are, that, that, are, that are available are being taught by one of the topmost expert people in the yeah. field and so you get to learn from uh, this uh, these skills from them for free and like unless you are seeking for certain uh, certification or something that's a different story but like for sure. at this time you you getting those skills and learning uh, in a proper uh, course uh, set framework it's it's perfect way to uh, gain that um uh, gain the skill, become master at it. And yeah, yeah it, it's just perfect for that. Yeah. And so one more thing I'd like to add is that I used to get really intimidated by just like using MATLAB, which maybe sounds sad, but I used to. And I I just kind of shifted like um, how I thought about it. I It wasn't like instead of thinking about it as this huge big thing I had to tackle, I was just like, okay, well, this is going to help me be more efficient. Like if it's exactly not, you know, yes, process all this data really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, would, uh, you know, it's like a big initial time investment, and then yeah. 
and then you can like really capitalize it on the end. And that doesn't mean you can't like use other softwares to plot it and look kind of nice because I'm not like the biggest fan of Matlab pops. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's helpful. It's totally helpful, especially when you're in the yeah. business of generating crap ton of data. Yeah. You know, it, that's exactly, you know, how sometimes we approach things as PhD students is, oh, I don't have time for this. That's I have right. to analyze this next thing quickly today. That's right. But sometimes, you know, you know, we have to think more kind of as entrepreneurs even or as business people yes. that you have you invest time and then you earn that in more professional looking figures and better quality data. Yeah. And and sometimes maybe not, you know, by the way, sometimes maybe you're never gonna use that again. But hey, you learned a skill that uh, that that maybe later in your career you would use, and or you learned it wasn't very helpful. Exactly right, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it's by the way, it's a nice way of thinking to think of uh, coding stuff. Also, it's just useful on on other fronts as well. That the kind of the logic behind it for yes. program for yes. basic yes. programming, and yeah. I just feel that you know in today's world. Uh, all scientists should be "quote unquote" data scientists at some right. level. Everyone uh, is creating, generating yeah. so much and data. And we have to deal with. I, all I that. hope I didn't uh, piss off real data scientists who actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, basic data scientists, and now is the time uh, to to think about that stuff. That's right, because it's honestly you you have time now. Like this is the thing. It's like we. I mean, I I feel actually uh, busier than almost ever. Like just trying to like manage stuff, but. I, I think there will be times where you just have like little lulls where you're like, I need to do something else or I, I want, like, I have some time, which I do here. That's when you can start to solidify these areas, especially as, again, as a grad student, especially as a grad student, because you're constantly learning. This is the whole, this is the whole reason you're in grad school is really to learn. So it's, then it becomes really important to, 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 to do it. But the problem is exactly what everybody's been saying, right? You don't have time. You're like, I got to finish this. I have to, I need to get this, this data. I need to get that data. Well, now you can't. So now you can actually put in, now you have nothing but time in a way we're almost like uh, prisoners in our own home. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, maybe it's a bad analogy. This is one of Lou Estevez famous, terrible analogies, but here go we go. For it. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, see what happens. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Come, to, come, to, come, come down my, uh, my, my trip down my brain here. Uh, yeah. So in, in um, you know, in, in prison, prisoners are always like so many steps ahead of the guards because they have nothing but time. Guards are mm-hmm. always like finding like, contraband shivs whatever like things like uh hairs that are tied together and then something a needle dropped in between some bar and then pulled out with the hair like, that's suspiciously specific by the way <laughs> oh, uh, what what no I, my lawyer has told me not to comment on this any further i apologize but no but it's it's fascinating when you go they i mean i i've watched uh programs i haven't actually you know this is not from personal experience or at least uh that's that's for the record uh but no but you <laughs> it's it's amazing you go to they have like hall of fame type stuff like at these at these prisons uh where they have like some of the most inventive weapons that they've made and you go there and you're like how he's like it's like took a tube sock plus you know some some wire from this plus and you're just like how the hell did they make but honestly the reason they're able to do this is they have nothing but time they have tons of time to dedicate to this and so the guards always realize that they're always going to be, you know, they're not, they have regular lives. So they don't have all day to dream of ways to counter this. So it's a very reactionary thing. 
So much like prisoners, now you got nothing but time. You're stuck in your own home. You know, instead of making a shiv that you can hide within a, the <laughs> within the prison bars or something, you know, mm-hmm. learn learn some new programming language. Learn some new, you know. Now you'll 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 impress your uh, your jailer or your PI or whoever that is, and then <laughs> they'll be like, "Wow, this this person really used." their time effectively to, to better themselves. That analogy came back full circle, right? Yeah, you like that. <laughs> yeah, I, brought you, I brought you back. I brought you back. Yeah. <laughs> Shawshank did. <laughs> no, it's true. That That's that's a that's a very good point. Like, uh, uh, this is a time for being proactive rather than just reactive like those guards. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was, like, waiting for emails to hit right, the inbox yeah. and then yeah. just responding. Because... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like the feeling of that is uh, being uh, lagging and and just trying to catch up to whatever is happening versus being on top of things and actually anticipating yeah, yeah. it. And, and uh, that that is always a, like, a huge positive boost to your morale and everything. Like it, 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 it brings... Uh... I have a slightly more boring suggestion, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is... So, you know, so now you're kind of limited for the kind of data that you have, the quantity and quality of the data sets that you have. It's also a good idea to rethink how your group and yourself have traditionally done data analysis. It might be worth to think again about uh, how you analyze that data. What That's more information can you get from it? Uh, also, often, uh, if you want to visualize data or show a figure, the chances are that someone somewhere uh, on this universe in another research field has visualized, you know, in the same type of, (laughs) it might be completely unrelated field, but it might be just a nice way of showing your data, uh, whatever it is, if it's uh, spatial temporal imaging or whatever, or three-dimensional, four-dimensional data sets, or just uh, multivariable, whatever it is, uh, just look at uh, how, find how people have visualized uh, this kind of data. There are courses, like Rajan said, on that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, just analyzing and visualizing data in an unconventional way, at least for you uh, or for your group or field, might also be a good time investment right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just to add a bit to that and to everything we've said, really, don't be afraid to rope colleagues into what you're doing, right? Like, mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is always seems to be what my messages every week but like honestly like the people you work with are like a tremendous resource and and also you tend to work better or more effectively when you work together so if you're trying to uh now this may not help with you know uh trying to learn some new software or whatever that tends to be a little bit more um you know individually dependent but if you're doing something like trying to really delve deep into a field and you have somebody else who's working in a similar field why not do together or even two or three people have a have a big zoom meeting start like and have like weekly meetings where where you get together and you say okay here's the literature i found and i think this is important because of xyz and then and then you can discuss and delve into the data together and you can help each other out and you can make so much more progress and not only that it keeps you honest like not honest but i i would say it keeps you motivated because you don't want to be the slacker in the group so it, it you know you're like oh i have to put something together like and so you put it together and then and also you can tailor you know what you're looking at into questions as well you could be like looking at something and thinking i would like to know more about this but i'm this is not my you know forte or expertise 
and then you speak to someone within your group that knows a bit more about it and they can explain it better rather than you going deep into the literature or into textbooks and trying to uh, inefficiently try to get to the answer. Just, you know, talk to someone who seems to know quite a bit and can refer you to to the necessary uh, literature and and or text or, or, you know, whatever the information, wherever it is, so that you can better answer questions that you may have while you're doing literature search. It's always best to work in teams for this kind of thing. And I think this, you know, if you have like a set up weekly thing, that that can only be beneficial. And then, yeah. you know, you continue it once you're, because now you have time and you have the ability to do it. Uh, and you're, you're, you're not at the lab where someone comes in and says like, we need to get this done. We need to get this done. You're at home and you can set a time to put forth an hour to really get together and hammer something together as a group, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, so you know, one other thing uh, in this new world we live in is you know, we don't know yet how COVID-19 might affect how we look at publications. So for one thing, I noticed a few publications relevant to COVID-19 that are just completely expedited through the peer review system. So you'd see something like uh, uh, submitted on the 16th and then uh, peer reviewed or published on the 20th and then the 25th or something like that. Which I mean, I yeah, I wish my oh, articles right. <laughs> went through, <laughs> went through yeah. that fast. But right. it's it's kind of interesting to see how scientists, you know, because of the urgency of this situation, are just uh, kind of uh, this focused effort on finding stuff. And and obviously, it was nice to see, for example, that the uh, the uh, this Chinese group very early on published this uh, complete gene genetic profile of the of the virus which helped yeah, scientists yeah, elsewhere that. work on antibodies or towards a vaccine and things like that. I mean, uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, we need this large collaborative efforts and maybe scientists think, think a bit differently than politicians on that end. So what are your thoughts? Right. So I think maybe, you know, to um, add to your comment about like kind of expedited publishing, we may be in the future we might be seeing a little bit more widespread use of uh, tools or resources such as like archive or chem archive. I'm, I'm more, I'm familiar with archive, um, like, you know, standard, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know it right now, I feel it's definitely more um, popular or um, yeah, or like it's more widely used in certain fields versus others like computer scientists, I think use it quite frequently. And then, um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know a lot of material scientists who are, uh, you know, kind of leaning on archive a lot because yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if that's other people's experiences, but I mean, it's, there's something to be said. Yes. It's not, if it's on archive, if you just throw it up right after you, um, you know, write it as a full draft that, doesn't mean it's a peer-reviewed paper, right? So it's it's a little bit more difficult to cite, um, but it's still your intellectual property. And in some cases, it's helpful to kind of, you know, put a stake in the ground and say, I'm working on this and these are my findings. And maybe it's not as polished as your final journal article, but it's helpful to get it out there in the universe. I mean, no doubt. So for one thing, Archive uh, is this platform where you could uh, upload these papers, they haven't been through peer review yet, uh, but also they're open source, so they're available for everyone to look at and download. And typically what people do is that they kind of upload this manuscript 
just about the time they're about to submit it to one of the conventional journals and to go through the peer review process uh, or when they've reached a checkpoint in that study to kind of show that they have some work in progress and it's now at a serious stage that could be shared, but still not completely refined. And uh, yeah, Liz, I also noticed that maybe physicists are faster to accept this platform than chemists, but Chem Archive is also catching up now. And uh, I, I mean, you know, we keep talking, for example, about how science should inform policy and policymakers but uh, I mean, this is a whole complete discussion that we should yeah. at some point talk about. Yeah. <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, scientific journals are a little bit exclusive in terms of not a little bit, very exclusive in terms of the access. And right. Uh, oh, right. super. Right. I mean, you. And that's a whole nother. Exactly. To even get into. In, exactly. Into but, itself, you know, yeah. COVID-19 kind of puts this into sharp focus that uh, sometimes you need to try as much as the science is nuanced and still not completely figured out, but we do need to streamline that or distill that knowledge into action at the policy level. And uh, I mean, we as scientists complain a lot that that's a slow process, but at the same time, we need to embrace more open source and better science communication and platforms mm-hmm. like Archive mm-hmm. to, to actually help that effort. And uh, maybe that discussion comes out of this whole situation, this world we live in today, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm not. I haven't uh, used archive, but I wonder how that fits into certain um, research thrusts that that have huge commercial applications. You know, like I I have worked in energy storage and batteries, and there's there's oftentimes um, IP considerations when you're publishing. Like, should you publish or should you put sure. a patent? Like, if it's something that that's that's an academic work, or sometimes you do both, right? You so in that case, I imagine I imagine a lot of fields like with worries about, um, you know, where the current state of the intellectual property is. It's not as big of a concern. Yeah. And this other problem is that, I mean, the peer review system that we have today is not perfect, but it's an incredibly important filter because, right, I mean, yeah. how do you balance yeah. having access to knowledge versus just uh, kind of flooding the you know the platform with tons of studies that are not peer reviewed and passed through the editing, and, and you yeah. know we don't know the answers to those things, but at least we should have those conversations, I guess. So. And that's the point, right? Like, because they yes. they worked on that research for I don't know months or years, depending on how what, what the research <laughs> <Right>. is. <laughs> no, right? It's, it's yeah. exactly. like, and then you were trying to finish in a day. It's like yeah, you yeah. you need several. That's crazy. Thought like uh, 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 several sets of uh, divisions or re-reading of that particular article in a different mindset to fully grasp or understand and, and judge because that's what you are doing. I don't know, uh, make your decision. But then thing is, right now for those all those uh, archives things, it's very limited right now. The the fast turnaround point is only limited to the articles which are directly affecting the the COVID-19 mm. pandemic yeah. info, right? But there True. are, that that is very niche and very small, <laughs> I would say, percentage, I guess so. of, percentage yeah. of research compared to what other fields and other number of papers are in the pipeline, right? I, I was just going to say, uh, it, that makes that makes quite a bit more sense. Like if it's COVID related, then it makes sense uh, because in the era of COVID, which we're, we're now in for however long this lasts, 
there's going to be certain shortcuts that are going to be taken that we normally do not take, right? Where, where you know, you look at what's going on in the world outside of academia, and I know this is a crazy concept. Wait, to, yeah, there's I know. I, there, there is, <laughs> there is, there is an actual is. world outside of the lab. I know it sounds. All right, just just pretend a thought experiment, Elias. Just like just pretend like as you leave your work, like there's this world outside with you trees. Have friends. Yeah, yeah. You have friends. You have a life. There's people involved. You know. There's 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 Sunshine food that's not coffee, you know. And, and, uh, <laughs> there's food that's not coffee. I, I know, I know. It's, I it's, don't know. That's not food. <laughs> it sounds I like a know mag- about that. Let's let's pretend this magical wonderland exists for a moment. Okay, okay, sure. That experiment, and you know, in this magical world, like they're taking all kinds of shortcuts, right? Like there's not, you know, uh, people. You know, there's there's a need for ventilators clearly, and there's people trying to jury rig them to be able to mm-hmm. ac- have more people access them. There's people making ventilators that don't normally re- make ventilators. There's like, not everyone has these N95 masks. So like, you know, there's other, there's, there, there are other alternatives being used that are effective, but not as effective. There's 3D printing of face shields. I mean, it's, you're kind of doing things that are not normally done and going through processes that normally take years, like finding a vaccine takes forever they're trying to get that quicker, quickly done as well. So in this world where we live in and and because of these things that are COVID related, it makes sense that, you know, it, if it's academic publishing that needs to be out that can help in this crisis, then yeah, by all means, it, it, it can be expedited a bit. Uh, and that makes sense. But yeah, I guess uh, I didn't realize that, that, that it was just strictly <laughs> COVID related work. I was like, I don't, you know, I, I think other work should should take its its time, and the fact that they're doing that makes sense. So so yeah, I, I'm on board with that. That makes and and another quick note on this this COVID research is I love it. To me, this is the whole thing that makes science beautiful and great. To me, anyway, like is yeah, you know, people publish all the time, right? And typically, you see publications, or most people see publications as as an ends to a mean as far as like moving your career forward or moving like, but like. Honestly, the, the very reason we're supposed to be publishing is because we're adding to the scientific knowledge so other people can build on it. And in this sense, this COVID research is exactly this. It's people saying, here's everything we know about this. If someone else can run with this aspect, go for it. Or if this helps in modeling this, go for it, Like, which is beautiful. And it's exactly what makes science amazing to me is, is this community of, of people working on the work of other people and adding to it and and making sure what they're putting out there is correct by a peer review process and it's yeah. uh, to me it's like it's exciting and beautiful to see yeah of course there's the there's also the other side of that which is the obvious conflict of interest of if someone came up with a drug that works or the vaccine early i mean I mean, obviously, that's very needed, and a lot of countries would pay a lot of money for that kind of stuff. So some of the work that's being expedited are, for example, on some prospective drugs that might work. But then, uh, but then, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's not my research field, so I wouldn't know well enough. But, for example, in my understanding, for a drug to work, it should pass through a controlled, randomized, double-blinded uh, mm-hmm. study, right? Yeah. Uh, and also, of course, it should be independently verified by maybe another lab or another agency True. and all that good stuff. But then, uh, for example, uh, this French group has been 
doing uh, work on one prospective drug and uh, we <laughs> sure. and uh, that's my imitation so so how do you and obviously you know in medicine they've thought about these problems but how do you go through the ethics of if this drug is kind of working a little bit but then you have a control group do you actually uh, give them that drug because it's could help them or do you want to make yeah. a faster scientific a case for this drug such that everyone else, all the hundreds of thousands of people can now use it more confidently. Yeah, that's tricky. And uh, I mean, in my line of work, I don't have to make those ethical decisions and they're very difficult. So, you know, as a scientist in the lab, and then there's this whole layer of the conflict of interest when money gets involved yeah. and yeah. if it's for a private company. Yeah. But but no doubt, I mean, we have no other way of solving this problem than by doing science and finding drugs that work or a vaccine that works. So, and then all that human endeavor that comes with it, I guess we have to have our, you know, we don't want to rush things and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of market something that ends up being bad. And luckily the medicine people, to some extent, have thought of these problems. So hopefully there are safeguards in place thinking through this now, like in real time, where I have some good results, but maybe, you know, 10 more, 50 more hours of work, maybe 20, I don't know, something you know, that <laughs> wouldn't be like a whole week, but it would maybe be a little bit more. Um, it could strengthen it, but sure, probably not too much. And so mm, thinking yeah. about that, like, what, how much, what else could I do? And is that additional work necessary? And, and, and just like what I've been doing is starting by outlining what are my findings and why are they important? And if you have that, you lead with that and say, this is the data that backs it up. I think that's a good place to start. That's always a solid place to be. And, and, and just to add, like, I'm, I'm kind of in the same situation, right? Like I have work that I've been working on for forever. And that's, that's, it's hard for me to exactly what you're saying. It's hard to decide when's a good stopping point because they're like, Hey, let's try this now. Oh, you know what? This is kind of interesting and probably publishable, but it leads me to think, what if we, you know, what if we do this instead? And then you, you end up having like three papers in, in like that are 80% finished like right. in three different directions, which is kind of, yeah. So that's kind of the, the mess that uh, my research tends to <laughs> be in. But, but luckily, you know, uh, I recently started trying to taper off these 80% and push them into 100% and get enough to publish. So now I'm, I'm putting together one paper right now where I, I have a bunch of other directions we went in, but they're not complete. So the hard part that I found was looking what to exclude. Because yeah. even though it's interesting enough to kind of bring it up and be like, oh, by the way, we did this and look at these cool results that's not enough to make any conclusive right. claims from it. All it is is enough to pique maybe a reader's curiosity about something. But if you, you can't conclusively make a claim on it, you it shouldn't be published unless it's a communication, which is a different type of publication. So to me, I found that that's the hardest part. I'm like, oh, this is so cool that we did this too. And I'd like to show that. I'm like, no, I am the prize. <laughs> Stick on this part, which you know we finished up and have it completely hammered. So let's just jam this sucker out in in this particular section and then get it published and and then the other parts 
finish them later if we have to, which is for me, one of the hardest things to do as a, as, as a researcher when you're trying to put these papers together, because you just want to keep, you know, playing in, in, in one area and keep it going. Yeah. But that, that's, that's what I found uh, in, in this uh, time period. Uh, Elias? Yeah, I guess papers will have asterisks saying published during COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> on there. Uh, beware of the claims made. <laughs> you know, also it's much more critical for people who, you know, if, you, if you're an established scientist or a late career postdoc, like uh, one extra paper maybe doesn't change your life, but uh, for some people it, it does. does. You know, one paper yeah. is much more important than zero papers, right. for example. Right. And it's twice as much as one paper. Uh, two, two it's one more. more. Wait, let's, do the, let's get the math right here. <laughs> it's infinitely, you know, more one important is more than to prove zero. that. Yes, yes. That's, that's that is that's correct. Better. How much is that? Well, it's one better. <laughs> yeah, but uh, just uh, the value sometimes if you're about to graduate. So, so, for example, I can give you an idea. I've been uh, applying for faculty positions and a decent chunk of the proposal that I have is based on a technique. Now, I've been working for two and a half years at least on this technique, but I haven't published yet. Actually, I just submitted the paper. But then uh, but then that's an important uh, part of my proposal. So people reading my proposal, hey, this guy is proposing this stuff, but uh, how do we know hey, I can actually do it? <laughs> and so for me, one paper on that topic is just incredibly more valuable than just five papers on another topic right. that I already have published right. on. So, yeah, and for a graduate student who is now finishing up, same. Right. So, yeah. you know, we live in the real world. Sometimes you need to get the product out. Right. Yes. But at the same time, you know, we have our scientific integrity. And, mm. uh, and yeah, it's it's important to learn this stuff. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, and especially, especially for, for the PhD student who are in their last year. And I have seen many groups who don't, uh, just the way the, the group is set up or the how the advisor likes it, they don't publish until you are in your fourth or fifth year of uh, PhD in chemistry mm. or something. And then, so that means you have been writing papers, but just because the way your advisor or how the system in your group works, you are your paper is not published until in that time. So imagine in, in that situation and then, and then suddenly your advisor is like, no, you need this, this, this before I, I, you can actually finish the paper. Mm, and they were like, oh, wow, now another six more months right. doing this. In at the same time, in those cases, sometimes you are fine, like you are still considered as a research assistant and you get still paid for that. But in some cases, if you are just a teaching assistant, which is in the case, like even though you are in third, fourth year, some of the money comes from uh, the department and, and because the nature of your group or the research that you're doing, you don't have the money to support the graduate student unless the department has that teaching assistance. Right, right? Yeah. So right now, all of those things are stopped. So, and then at the same time, the jobs, even though who can uh, legally allowed to do all those jobs, like in a, uh, a part-time jobs in a like, restaurant or something, are not allowed. Right. So you are like, suddenly- You're like, a little trapped. Yeah. You, yeah. You, as a, as a grass student, you anyway don't have much money, <laughs> especially if you're living in much much power, much money, nothing, much right? say. And then now you are squeezed in yeah. both directions. Like you have you have pressure to publish, 
or actually yeah. do some work. You're pressured to publish, but like do all yeah. these comprehensive studies, and it's like, ah, I need to. <laughs> right. And then there's no financial support, or suddenly there's a, a question on the future of your financial support. Like you are fine for a month, but you don't know if this is going to last several months, then what's going to happen? So those kind of like, uh, it's a very tricky situation because, uh, and, and there is no answer for, I don't know, like, even though if I was in that situation, I have no idea because nobody has been in this situation before. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The novel cor- coronavirus is a novel research situation as well. <laughs> it's not for, like in every kind of regard, it's just completely, it's, it's untread territory. Right. And, and we need to chart it. If, if I could, <laughs> yeah. And just, just. Just to add to that a bit for everyone to just, I don't know, it, my feelings on this, it's uh, especially outside of, you know, trying to crank out papers. Do, if you, you know, are getting overwhelmed with uh, the news and, and feeling down and you're not feeling as productive, that's okay too. I mean, it's it's we're I mean, some you know we've talked about uh liz's award-winning <laughs> series on mental health which yeah. which will be coming out soon uh is yeah. is of course uh what maybe some of this topic is reserved for but but honestly um you can't help but not feel some kind of unhappiness when you're seeing what's happening right now of course and so if and it can it can drag down your research i mean to me i me personally I find when I'm like really happy, I'm getting so many things done and everything's great. But when you're, you're, you're not feeling as happy and you're feeling a little bit down, it's, and, and uh, something like a pandemic, of course, will do this. So uh, it's okay to, I mean, we're talking about be productive, do this, crank out papers, this and that. But if what you need to do is, you know, just kind of take a break from the world, then, then yeah. just do that. You know, like your mental health comes first before you can do anything else. So that's also something that I think should definitely be mentioned and, and definitely be thought about. Talk to your advisor. If you're a PhD student, talk to your boss. If you're a PhD, just say, you know, I'm having a tough time with this. And, and I'm sure they are in the same exact boat. Mm-hmm. We are all human beings. And this is, this is completely normal to feel this way. So, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're got a, you have a bunch of PhD work to do and you're like, man, they just sound so productive, which, you know, is probably sounds more accurate, sounds more productive than we probably are. Cause it's really difficult to be productive in this time period. Um, just take a break, take a, you know, take some, if you need to just take care of yourself mentally, you should do that. Or if you, you know, feel you need to worry a little bit more about something else or, or take your mind away from, for, for a lot of folks, the work takes your mind away from it. So that's great. But if you're not one of these types and, and you can't find yourself working effectively because your mind is always on this pandemic, you know, take it easy, relax and, and, and take a break from it. Take a walk, do, do whatever it is to talk de-stress to yourself. So talk with yeah. yeah. Have a bunch of Zoom meetings. Yeah. Like talk to people you know, in, and, and especially for, for the case of like the university of Arizona, right? Like when uh, a couple of PhD offers were uh, rescinded, like in those cases, oh, right? Like wow. in those cases, like like keep talking to your uh, your advisors who you are supposed to be with. Yeah, uh, you 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 might you never know. You might find a way. You might find a get into the program, but then there might be a okay for the first six months you don't have something, but 
hey, here is a, like a TA ship or a mm-hmm. greater mm-hmm. position that or you could do. Or maybe there's something you can work out with a different department, same right. school, something yeah, like that. Just like, again, yeah. I've seen like just, just talking it's... to different people, just if the advisor that you are supposed to be with, not only just don't stop there, talk to the department head, talk to uh, different right. department heads or different, de- you never know, inter interdepartment research could be yep. uh, an option for you. It's it's never a bad idea to talk to not only your colleagues and, and kind of, because we need that as human beings, right? We need to have, be communicating. We're social animals, so we need that. But, but talk to your superiors, like whether it's your uh, advisor or your boss or whatever, like just tell them, like as long as they're people, I find as long as they're in the loop and... When I'm uh, a boss of someone else, which doesn't happen too often, but when it does happen, you like to be in the loop. Like you find out, like as you start to, um, you know, actually have people work for you, you start to realize like, wow, I, I, I don't mind when things go south. I just like to know, I don't want to be surprised. And I think it it works. So just keep that in mind. If you're, if you haven't had a lot of uh, experience being um, supervisor of somebody else, like. That's what supervisors love. They like to just, you know, be be made aware and then they can plan accordingly. And so you should be uh, talking with them and and making sure they they know what you're feeling and and and, and how how it is for you. I mean, because that's yeah. that's super important. And but they should also realize that your mental health comes first and that it's a kind of a weird situation that's unlike any other. So where everyone's gonna have to just kind of deal with it and and try to try to do their best to get by it not just for themselves but for everybody else so it's 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 a time to come together as as a species not like as a as a an american or or israeli or or, except for missouri of course those 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 those, uh anti-alias types no, of course, we love Missouri, even if Elias doesn't. Okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, but it's time. That, I think it's, it's okay, right. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna yeah. say that what I'm like hearing from all of this is, um, I forget where I heard this quote, but um, I also have a tendency to when I like hear phrases and stuff, I like really latch on. <laughs> but anyway, so mm-hmm. something I heard was what? Did, what was it? You know, do what you can with what you've got. And I think, you know, that applies to all of our like parts of life right now. Like if it means taking care of yourself, like do what you can with whatever resources you have available. I mean, and it when it comes to your research, do what you can <laughs> with whatever you have. And I think- You know, uh, Liz, your advice also works for the uh, toilet paper. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't wait to hear this. Okay, do yeah. what you can with what you have. <laughs> Single ply is okay. You don't need the. You don't need double ply. Yeah. Ultra soft. Mm, yeah. Uh, wait, uh, Elias, I love it. I like. Yeah. Wait, wait to jump in the the weird analogy game. I welcome aboard, brother. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I I will say just to follow up on one of Liz's earlier points about communicating with. Uh, potential um, uh, advisors, and if if all of a sudden you had your, uh, this is the first time I heard of that. Like they, if you're a student and you had uh, your PhD rescinded uh, because of the coronavirus, like is, I mean not rescinded, but like your offer, your offer <laughs> rescinded. Yeah, so your PhD, it's like you're no longer a PhD. No, I mean just the the offer to to pursue a PhD rescinded. That sounds terrible, but that's a really good point to to keep. Um, you know. 
in contact with your with that potential advisor. You never know when that'll help. I I think I saw this wonderful um, uh, interview with uh, Liz's really really good friend Neil deGrasse Tyson. I believe you told me. Yeah. That. <laughs> He's like big okay. big buddy of yours. Yeah yeah. yeah. He spoke at my graduation. And wow. We did not name dropped. Yeah, I, 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 I interpret that. I was that mostly as... just sitting there in the sun, sweating, being like, "Gotcha." He's you your BFF. Over. That's totally cool. <laughs> but he he basically uh, he, he had this really interesting story about um, not you know when he did his PhD, he started uh, the University of Texas, and it didn't go well for him, and he and he didn't jive with his advisor, and he had to go eventually somewhere else, which was Columbia. But the reason he was able to do that was because he talked to these guys at conferences. They, he, he, he was in correspondence with them and they knew who he was. And it's, you know, it's never a bad thing to, to keep in contact with people, to, to not burn bridges. And then just, it, it, you never know when in the future that'll come in handy. Uh, if, you know, if you've had your offer rescinded, you know, it's good to, Keep an eye on. They probably didn't like it as much as you did. Well, maybe not as much as you did, but they probably didn't like it either because they were expecting to bring in yeah. a student. So, and if the budget is what it is, and it was, and they had to make the decision, you can bet that it wasn't made, um, you know, with with a lot of enthusiasm. So, it's good. Keep in contact. Uh, keep plugging away. Keep, start building the network of people because you never know when that's going to come in handy. Who knows? In the future, you might tag them to be on a podcast and then, you know, yeah. then win awards and, and, and have an entourage and become famous. So that's, yes. that's, that's always a possibility. Always. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Elias, what's up, brother? Yes. I wanted to say one last thing, which what's is up? it's about this other pandemic that we're facing on normal days which is misinformation on social media. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, good, good, yeah. Good call. Sure, it's just a quick note, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, especially as a scientist, you're kind of used to fact-checking and yeah. uh, being objective and uh, not quickly emotionally getting sucked into uh, an idea or believing something that was shared just because you kind of agree with it or if it validates your own worldview it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, no. I mean, in terms of in terms of processing information, nothing else. Just purely because we don't take anything granted. Like we have our set. Of, uh, we we go through a process of figuring out whether the the, the information or the idea is valid or not. Or, a questioning attitude. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I you don't you I've don't heard. go out like accepting everything. You go yeah. out. With a with a sense of sense of question, yeah, like, okay, yeah. can I? Is it true? Or is it like how do you know it? So right. we have we have set of questions that we go through. So in that sense, just to sum yeah. it up for the rest of our audience, scientists be haters, yo. Like we are <laughs> totally into <laughs> trying to bring down whatever. Like it's like as soon as someone makes a mistake, we just pounce on it. Like when you're like whenever you go to a scientific conference and you see someone giving a talk, they're not saying. Like, I'm going to change the world because my stuff is so great because I could like, no, that's not what you hear because everybody knows you're going to be put into check right away if you start to like, you know, over, over push your claims and try to uh, make it sound better than the data indicates. You better have some data backing up what you say. So we're just trained to just, you know, we're not really haters, but, but we, 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 but that's, that is a way to, 
to kind of think of it as, you know, you best you best have some data backing up what you're saying. Because, yeah, yeah, if you don't, like, it's going to get torn apart. So, uh, yeah. And that's, in terms of social media shares, that's all there is to it. Just don't quickly share something. You could flatten the curve. You could, yes. <laughs> you could, you could also stop you know, pandemic of misinformation of spreading. Yeah. Don't immediately share it. Sometimes your first instinct, even with good intentions, is to warn others of these conspiracies or whatever. But, you know, take a deep breath, think again, Google stuff, uh, check if the sources are reputable. Uh, don't immediately share just because it's alarmist or you think you have this uh, facing danger instinct. Just pause, count till 10. And lastly, most importantly, don't assume the other people are malicious and bad people and right. out to get you. Just, uh, you know, most people are good people. Just uh, let's all calm down, not share misinformation and think kindly of each other. Uh, even Missouri, of, even Missouri. Even Missouri. I mean, look, I did it. <laughs> you know how I used to think of Missouri. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Love Missouri. Always have. <laughs> and what we're seeing is that, I mean, to both Elias and Roger's point, we're not just getting this, all this misinformation out. It's also the spread of anxiety. Yes, and exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. And this weird emotional mix because we're all at home and all we have is an in internet. And it's yes. very weird. <laughs> like, I think we should all recognize this is we're yeah, living in a weird world. This is <laughs> regardless of your world. politics or your tribe or yeah, your definitely. viewpoint or how you think of that. Just everyone is doing this at some level. So let's just uh, be just take a deep breath and think kindly yeah. of each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think if we have learned anything from this, I mean, to, from my perspective, obviously, is that we're all in, each one of us matters. We all contribute. Yes. We're all contributing to this, the spread and like, you know, the um, leveling out of how this virus is getting around. Everybody matters. Like every single yeah. person matters. And you can all, you, your one maybe ink anxious feeling that can spread so can a positive feeling That's or right. sharing some really great helpful information yeah just 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 to quote the probably the two greatest philosophers in the history of our species bill <laughs> and ted be excellent to one another like that's <laughs> that's that's pretty much it right there you know just yeah. keep yeah. that in mind and and you know we're hey we're we are way more similar than we're different just you know we're we're in this together we're yes. species first everything else second you know maybe exactly. maybe yeah maybe maybe chocolates up there too and for other people like who knows <laughs> right some other things for me it's a nice steak but anyway glad you species <laughs> first like just you know just be you know uh be aware that you're part of a large collective and and it's important to be as nice to each other as possible and try to try, you know just to sum it up again be excellent to one another that's it yes, yes. that's it that's a good way to end this yeah well awesome right on well i a, a, any other uh insights any other coronavirus related so news? i mean to just to add since because we we have some information so like there are a couple of resources uh if you want to read about uh, go to like nice uh, scientific journals like Nature, Science, 
you can find out more proper information about like the virus and because there are so many uh, latest articles coming out and mm. you can get more That's proper information from them because it's it's just non unbiased science results it's and they're just talk, like yeah peer, peer review reviewed, process yeah and, and this is like high this isn't like very reputable you know, journals and it goes blog. through yeah it goes through very <laughs> rigorous process of review and so if you want to help out volunteers you have like several online like from CDC websites you can just find out how you can help or what information you can get in addition to that there's a very fun thing that I just recently found out is something called Skype a scientist. I want to where, participate. I right? still want to participate. I got sent that as well. Like that sounds so cool. It's, it's very, like I find it very nice. Like consider you're signing up for this kind of platforms as a scientist. So where rad. you can be matched with uh, families who wants to hear from your field of expertise. And even even perhaps an online class or whatever. Like it's great. Like you can just uh, you can basically answer questions what it's like to be a scientist and right, you know yeah. and, and they're looking for non-traditional looking scientists so that's that describes us to a t we're all a bunch of weirdos so it's it's, yeah. it's so we're eminently qualified for this this is great right sign me up, up? yeah Let's yeah right at a scale of like one to lou uh how weird are you it's like oh that check no problem got it got that covered so I'll put a bunch of these links in the show notes as well. Yes. Great. Thank you, Rajan, for being the, uh, you know, the man behind the scenes, making it all happen. And uh, so with that, I think we wrapped up another great episode. Uh, thanks again for checking it out. And of course, check out the show notes, send us emails, send us your feedback. We love it. Uh, we need it. And uh, take care, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep sciencing when you can. Rock on, man. See ya. Great. Perfect. Nicely done, guys. Hey, this was.